Um, and we want to do that. Hey, we're in Matthew chapter 6, if you didn't hear, and we're continuing and contending with the words of Jesus and his invitation to follow his ways uh, in love and his kingdom. And Jesus is very direct in this passage specifically. As I said, for those of us who live in the Western world, especially in America, these words can be quite troubling to us, and they very well should be. But Jesus' desire, listen to me, Jesus' desire is that we would not be distracted and encumbered by those things that would pull us away from the attention and our affection to God. Uh, He's concerned for your heart and mine. And they have, well, they have long-term implications if we're not careful. Well, uh, I remember as a kid being on a church trip to to visit the famed Shipshawana. I know some of you from here even make that, that journey over to the famed Shipshawana. Back then, it wasn't like it is now, I am sure of it, um, because I've been there recently. But I remember on this one trip, we were with a few friends, and I was blown away by the, the, the gallery of goods. I mean, just the wonderful things that you could see and purchase. I mean, it was incredible. I think on this one... Um, you know, I'll tell you what I bought. I think I remember what I bought. But, you know, but a few bucks in a little kid's pocket, you know, five, five or six bucks in a kid's pocket is like burning, right? Um, but have you been in a while? Maybe you haven't been to Shipswana, but you've been to a, a flea market or some type of place like this. One of the things that's incredible is they sell almost anything. I mean, almost anything, right? So uh, what's incredible, I think this is crazy stuff, is that you, you go to a booth and they're selling the same stuff at the dollar store. I mean, come on. Really? I guess one shop stopping. You know, Meyer's not the only place you have to do that. But, but they also have these incredible things that you've never seen before that somebody in their, in their imagination and creativity have created. And they, somewhere along the line, you never knew you needed it, but now you have it. And guess where it sits? It sits on a shelf in your garage or your kitchen, and you may have used it once or twice, but you realize, oh, it's not something I'm going to use. So it eventually ends up, uh, well, it's sold in another garage sale, or it's trash somewhere, right? I mean, we just get rid of it. We just discard it because it doesn't do, I mean, it's just one more thing, whether in your kitchen or your garage or whatever case. I mean, that's what happens. Um, it's not only, uh, it, there, I, there should be slides, there you go. So Shipshawana, that actually is a picture. That's not how it was when we went. Um, you know, my mom's over here, she's shaking her head, nope, it wasn't. It was like truly little booze. This is like on steroids, I think. I remember, uh, I think I told this story before, but it fits so perfectly here. So forgive me for repeating and get old, this is what happens. So, uh, <laughs> so my, my middle daughter uh, is about to be born, and the doctor walks in, and the TV's on, one of those distractions to try to kind of pull you away from, you know, maybe some of the tension that's in the room. I don't remember totally, but it's on QVC or H, Home, Shop ne- Home Shopping Network, and he walks in, and you, uh, I want to be careful, nurses do all the work. You do know that, right? I mean, they, unless it's something, you know, pretty, pretty uh, sensitive. Um, and so that's the case in this situation. And he sets down, takes his position. He looks up at the, 
at the screen and he said to the nurse, hey, would you take down that information because that's that thing, I, we need that thing in our home. Right, now my daughter is within minutes of being born and the nurse is over there scribing, right, taking down the information. Now, that, that's not the end of the story. Now, Dr. Martin was a great doctor, you know, just really appreciated, appreciated him. Had a great, really did have a great, bedside, great bedside manner, all that kind of stuff. So Abigail's born four, four years later, and I remember Dr. Martin comes in, assumes, you know, assumes the position to have Abigail delivered, and I said, hey, Dr. Martin, how did that grapefruit thingamajigger work for you? He's like, oh, that thing, that thing worked great. I mean, we, he, he, you remembered. I mean, you know, I can mark it with a, he bought this grapefruit peeler thingamajigger for his wife. I don't know what it was. Dr. Martin, if you're listening, you know, fill me in. I don't know. But QVC and Home, Shop, home Shopping Network, right? I mean, I, um, I've been in a few homes where this was just a, a visiting or otherwise, uh, where this was just, uh, wasn't on all the time like the weather station, weather, uh, you know, weather channel. Uh, at one point, uh, the weather channel was the most watched channel you know this right maybe still be it still is the most watched channel to watch but I think QVC came in right after that as if we didn't have enough uh, ways to consume and to purchase things you know then comes along Amazon probably in the midst of all of this by the way who knows I don't know exactly when it came on but if you need something you know, you can just type it into Amazon and they'll probably, they'll probably maybe have it. It is incredible. It's better than the flea market, right? I mean, it's quite, quite a little bit better than QVC. It's all at your fingertips. You can get stuff delivered to your door the next day. I mean, what a joy to the heart, right? I'm not lying, am I? <laughs> That's the issue. Come on, this almost is like a slice of heaven for us. And that's the issue. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what Jesus is addressing with all of us. Jesus is teaching and inviting us to consider the cultivated consumerism and consumption of the earthly treasures and pleasures we have around us at our fingertips, both our wealth, and our possessions. So here's the point to all that as we move into the text. There will never be an end in this world for things to distract us and encumber us from loving God and loving the very people that God has placed us in our lives to love. There won't be an end to it. And Jesus is attempting to try to get our attention to that. So let's take a look at the passage. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. It says this, Do, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there, your, there the desires of your heart will be also. So just quickly, let's, let's define what treasure is because treasure to you is not treasure to me. It's this. 
Treasure, treasures are where we place our value on. Treasures are whatever, excuse me, whatever we place our value on. Or whatever we place our value on. It doesn't matter. Now think about that. Because that cross has crossed every socioeconomic class you can think of. Treasures are whatever you place your value on. First off, as we look at this passage of scripture, the words translated, don't store up, may be better correctly translated, stop storing treasures up here, stop storing treasures here on earth. Just stop. It's almost as if Jesus is not leaving anyone out in this teaching. In fact, he isn't. That's what makes him masterful in his teaching. And it flows out of, in case you think this is kind of odd putting it here, it flows right out of the context of what he's been talking about. He wants us to be fully his. He doesn't want our significance or our prestige or our power to create a bind for us in the long run. He wants us to know what it is to live free in the kingdom and to live freely in his love. In fact, whether these earth treasures are rust, ma, rust, rust, uh, rusted through, moth-eaten, or stolen, these earthbound treasures will be destroyed. And this word, destroyed, means exactly what you might think. It just makes, means something, it means it will be, some, um, to make something disappear, excuse me. It's like one of the worst magic tricks we've ever bought into and promoted, that has been promoted by an evil one, Right? I mean, think about it. We, we, <laughs> we buy something, and then within sometimes moments, it doesn't function at all. You, you have to agree with me on that one. You bought something. And went, Are you kidding me? This is all it is? I spent all this time and energy resourcing and researching on this, and that's it. It's like it disappears. It's gone. Sometimes it's not only or simply the Satan, or Satan as we call him. It's just our own inner desires, as Scripture tells us. So let me ask you, what is your treasure today? When I was a kid, I received a a gift. It was a pistol BB gun. Now, this this is the real McCoy. It weighted right, you know, the whole nine yards, but I was at a age I was at a period of time in my life where I was enjoying taking things apart now there's a there's a good side to this if you know how things work when you take them apart but if you don't know how things work when you take them apart there's a problem there's a big big problem so when I took this pistol apart I don't know if my mom even knows this story I took this pistol apart there are springs in it that make it work I don't know how old I was I really don't I think I was yeah maybe seven eight years old bing I'm like, it just flies out. Right? Pistol BB gun never worked as a pistol BB gun ever again. I don't think I ever shot a single BB through it. I mean, just one of those things, man. Wow. I mean, our, tre- our treasures, chairs as they might be in the moment, find their way to the trash. 
They just find their way to the trash. And Jesus is attempting to tell us this. So what's the alternative to storing up, tr- storing up earth treasures? <laughs> Jesus says that we who want to follow Jesus intentionally, folks, are to store up treasures in heaven. What are treasures in heaven? Well, it's simply this, to stated, more difficult to do. It's doing the things Jesus did and living the way he lived. Truly, what we mean when we say follow him, when we say in our, our statement around here, you know, follow Jesus together, that's exactly what we're called to do and to be about. Oftentimes, though, we, we define heaven as some, some place out there. And so even in this passage and some other passages, we need to redefine what heaven looks like and is. Heaven is not some other place or other time. And if you're not familiar with Sandy Pandy and Lionel Harris, uh, go look it up. They had a song that went like that. Let's, let's let somebody with a little more girth of understanding of the biblical text, God's word, and his ways kind of help to answer this for us. N.T. Wright is one of those guys. He says, as with other references to heaven and earth, we shouldn't imagine he means He means, don't worry about this life. Get ready for the next one. Heaven here is where God is right now. And where if you learn to love and serve God right now, you will have treasure in the present, not just in the future. It is not just some place out there that we'll eventually get to, and we can say in the last moments, we probably can, because the thief on the cross did, oh, I'm right with you, Jesus. But he's saying, look, if you really want to experience heaven, it can start here and now. And it's not just saying yes to Jesus, that's a crucial stop in the whole process, but it's saying yes to everything that he did and the way he did it. So how can it be brought to earth. Let's look back just on where we've already been in Matthew's uh, gospel and especially specifically in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says share the good news of Jesus. He calls us to be salt and light of the world. When we share the salt and light of the world I think that we are then experiencing the opportunity of heaven and the inbreaking of heaven to happen. Can you imagine the sweet opportunities to the seasons of someone's life if you illuminate their way? and to your own life. Isn't that heaven? The opportunity to say, hey, you know, there's one who loves you far greater than any other. Wouldn't you like to know him? How about this? Obey the commands of the law given. Now, it comes out of this first saying yes to Jesus and realizing he loves us purely and openly But when we practice what he says in the Sermon on the Mount, when we practice and teach them, we demonstrate our love of God through our obedience to the laws he's already given. Wow. How about reconciling with those you have issues with? Come to the altar, you realize somebody has ought with you, you drop your gift, you go and take care of it. He says, in those moments, while they may be tension-filled, that is an opportunity that heaven has to meet earth 
in those moments. He says, do not lust or commit adultery. When we look at other people and see them as God sees them in the image of God, not as objects to be looked at and devalued, he says that we are bringing heaven to earth. Demonstrate love by not retaliating. In fact, even going the extra mile, like, oh, you have ill. Oh, let me help you with that. You know, you, you want my car? Here, take care of hers too. I'm kidding. <laughs> you get my point. He's saying if, if, if anti-right is even close to being right, and which I think he is, that when we do those things, we start to experience heaven now, not just store up heaven for later. We get the gift of life and the abundance of love in those moments when they're lived out in grand ways. The hard part of this passage of scripture, I think, is this. And this may be a little harsh, and I'm willing for a conversation afterwards. In fact, some of, these, some of my statements are part, of, part and parcel of, hey, come on, let's have a conversation about this. The destination of our treasure exposes the destination of our heart's destination. Right? The destination of our treasure, treasures, exposes our heart's destination. Think about that. What you hold on to, wealth or possessions greater than God, you'll end up in that place, separated from God. The heart may be used in any one of, uh, Leon Morris says this, the heart may be used in any one of a variety of ways. The term heart, he's saying. Whether it's emotions, wishes, or desires, but it is surely more than that. Jesus is not speaking of passing emotions, but on that of which our life centers. In, this fa- in fact, right here in that sp- specific verse, he says, in the two previous verses, you is plural, but in thi- this one, it is singular. The application is personal, and it has indications of your direction of your life. James, a little more direct maybe, I don't know, depending on who you are. James says in James 5, 1 through 3, says, Look, here you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on judgment day. Verses 5 and 6 of that same chapter, he says, You have spent your years on, in luxury, satisfying every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. I, I don't level this word as a way to, to, to leverage guilt at all. I leverage this word because I think that Jesus is inviting us into a freedom that we have yet to experience, a love and a release from those things that encumber us and distract us from what he wants and what he desires. Jesus goes on and says, your eye is like the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the, if you, if, and if the light you think you have, have is actually darkness, how deep is that, how deep is that darkness? right? 
So what is he saying here? Well, in this passage, it's kind of an odd thing and kind of plops down here. And scholars, uh, even in my reading, really struggle with this. Of like, what's he really getting at? But I think it comes down to this, and I, I, I'm going to fall here right now. Is that the healthy eye is a generous eye. The healthy eye sees the world and the opportunities that the Lord provides. It's a, it's a generous eye. It sees the world and it's illuminated to the opportunities to not take but to give. But the unhealthy eye is a selfish eye. Or some translations and even some of your notes may have this in your, in your Bible notes. Stingy. It's a stingy eye. Right? That they look at life as not abundance but in scarcity. And there may be behind all of this, I get this, this fear that you won't have enough. And it creeps up on all of us in different ways. But Jesus is trying to get across the, the point is that as we look at life, that's how we'll act and react and respond. You can't live in both places of both generous and selfish. You can't live on earth with all of its treasures and consider them first before all the things that God has given you and your treasures in heaven. In fact, that's what he says in Matthew chapter 6. He says, no one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And there's a reason why Jesus uses the word slave to money because that's exactly what transpires. It's one thing to work for two employers, but the kind of devotion and wholehearted living that God is asking you to live is for him and him alone, not for some other divided entity. Something else, possessions, treasures, or whatever you want to put in there. When he spoke to the children of Israel, he said, I am your God who redeemed you out of slavery. There's no other. He tells us in the Ten Commandments that we're to put him first. God's desire, and Jesus is making it clear here, is that our service needs to be wholeheartedly to him and only to him. You cannot be both in light and dark, either one or the other. When Jesus uses the term, he, he wants us to know that we need to serve only him. So how do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, we kind of went through some practices, but in the idea of treasures, in the idea of living out our treasures, it's, it's, it may be as simple or as difficult as this to, practice, to, the, to live the practice of simplicity, to live out the practice of simplicity. Now, you may say, what, what does that look like? What does the practice of simplicity look like in our life? Well, let me just sum it up this way. The stuff that sits on your shelf, that just sits there, get rid of it. It just sits there. Uh, some of us who uh, have had loved ones who have passed, We come to the real reality that there's a lot of stuff that doesn't matter anymore, does it? 
There's some things we want to pass along that have a heart string to them. But I think it was quite telling a few weeks ago when Kathy and I had one of our seniors come and uh, she was at our table having a meal and she said, you know what, I don't care where my stuff goes anymore because all the stuff that I thought mattered doesn't really matter anymore. I just want to be with my loved ones. I just want to be in relationship with them. I thought, oh, how telling. How telling. You see, when we fall in love with Jesus, when we, when we realize that he is our one and only, and God is the one whom we love and we live to love other people, it's kind of like what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went, to, went and sold all he had so that he could buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for a fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus is looking for our singularity of heart, or in this case, not only heart, but even our eye, that it's only for him and what his kingdom, uh, bringing his kingdom on earth. So there are a few questions that I want to walk us through. These are the ones you might go, hey, let's have a conversation. And I am willing to do that. These are questions that we can ask ourselves on the way to, and not only are these good, but there are probably many others, to the practice of simplicity in our lives, especially in the Western world. Do I display what I own? Do I display what I own? So it's not only the danger of treasures, but it's also the reason for owning the treasures that I have. And if they're, if they're bought and per- purchased so that I can call over people and my friends or put them on Facebook or have pictures all over the place that go, hey, check out what I have and I get value from it, I think Jesus is asking us, whoa, wait a second. Your possessions have you. You don't have your possessions anymore. They give you value. And so when I purchase something, one of the questions that I can ask myself, hey, why do I want this? Why, why am I purchasing this? Where, where's it going? What's going to happen with it? What's the long-term effect of this? I remember in one of my first ministry, uh, one of Kathy's and my first ministry stops, uh, there was a family who had a, a small house and they, they were looking to upgrade to a larger house. And uh, the wife in this situation just really struggled with this, uh, partly because of what I'm talking about here. They, she just didn't think that they uh, think that it would be good to be seen in that way, even though they had the money to do it and it was in the proper place in the proper, proper line. And she really walked through this very, very difficult time. I, I remember asking her, I'm like, so what, why are you buying it? What are you going to do with it? You know, what's the motive? And, you know, in, they did eventually buy the house. And in that house, we had multiple baptisms. We had small group that was held in their house. She hosted, she was already a daycare provider, but this allowed her to expand her daycare so she would have more influence with children in her community for Jesus. Uh, those are, those are, that's just one example 
I mean, of, of why, why, are we, why do we purchase what we do and what's the, what's the motive behind it? No one, by the way, no one can, we can walk that through with you, but we're near, not here to judge you. But I think Jesus would want us to walk through these evaluative questions. Uh, maybe number two, do I treat my possessions as they are God's, not mine? And that story earlier probably would have gone more to that story. But a few years ago, I was privileged uh, to attend a conference in California um, on multiple occasions throughout about a 10 or 12 year period of time. And when we would go, we would not stay in hotels uh, or, or uh, motels, but we stayed in homes. Now, you may be thinking that, well, that's not a big deal. You Airbnb them, right? Now, this is an Airbnb. The, the, the way the conference was set up is they, they asked people in their church to open their homes to people who were coming to this conference. Um, now, the incredible thing is that oftentimes the people weren't home. And on, very, on several occasions, that was the case when I went to the conference. The, the people weren't home, and they gave us the code to their house, or the gated community that they lived in. They gave us the code. They gave us the code of their house. They made sure the refrigerator was full. And in one, I remember one occasion, they were home and they said, look, we know that the conference really demands a lot of you. You have to be there a lot of time, but we want to have a meal with you and anybody else you want to bring. And they just opened the table to us. They offered their home to be used in a way that they realized it was God's, it wasn't theirs, that they just were willing to do that. It's just one example. Are you allowing him to be Lord of all of you? That means not only of your mind, but your possessions and your treasures too. Do I give more for others than I spend on myself? Now, let me give you a little backdrop to this one. And some of you are like, what? Are you serious? I am serious. But it all, it, budgeting is vital on this question. Budgeting is absolutely vital on this question because if you don't know your budget, you won't know if you're doing it, one. Two, we want you to make sure that you're, you're taking care of your four, four walls. And if you've not heard about the four walls, I invite you to FPU the next time we have it. But this is the truth about those of us who live in a culture that consumerism is at our fingertips. We're constantly considering what we can have more of. We're constantly considering what we can have more of. And it's as, as easy as just kind of rolling up and getting more for many of us. And that may not be all of us, but for many of us it is. When it's outside of, it could be outside of the bounds of even our budgetary measures. But how do we do this? And I say four, not two. There's a big difference. And let me give you a few examples. Are you given to God? Every week we have people stand up and we say, hey, you know what? We're doing some good kingdom work through the church. And we would love for you to participate in giving to God so that we can continue to give and provide opportunities for other people. A few weeks ago, our leadership team rightly, and I mentioned this briefly, but our leadership team rightly, because of the, the generosity that we have experienced in recent days, gave 
out of our abundance to, uh, to the rollers and to the mission that's happening in Latin America. We're very grateful to be able to do that. We're very, very grateful to be able to do that because of your generosity. But if you're not a giver to God, that's the first place that I would say, hey, you need to, you need to put this and park this in your, your personal faith walk. And we can walk you through that. What about giving to the poor and those in need? I'm, I'm outside the church. You, ha- you have all your, all your needs met, and we drive by people on a regular basis who have need. Are you able to give to organizations or places and, and offer that? What about giving more and above, above missions, on missions, to your heartbeat, not just to our collective heartbeat? Because I think some of you have that. You have an interest in that. How about this one? And this kind of takes in the blessed book. Have you ever thought about setting aside a little bit in your budget that you, you're just committed to taking somebody out for a cup of coffee every week or a meal every week? You, you spend time with them, but you're giving to them, hopefully out of the resources of who, who you are. Sponsor child care uh, child from another country, whether through our Free Methodist uh, missions or some other way. How about this? Create a, uh, a soup Sunday on your block. Invite people over. Your possessions, your wealth, all of it gets resourced in that one place. Or Taco Tuesday, whatever they may be. You can create them. But you say, look, from X time to X time, our, our door's open. Coffee pot's on. The refrigerator's open. You have access to it. I think part of it is training ourselves to realize that, whoa, wait a second, we're here to leverage our lives on behalf of Jesus and his kingdom in ways that are, are beneficial to those around us. Luke 12 echoes what we just read in Matthew. Jesus says this, and this is how Luke, Dr. Luke uh, records it. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. I love that. Think about that. The purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. But none of this can happen without this. The practice of simplicity or even living for Jesus starts with a change of heart. If you're like going, whoa, lay off, Steve. Well, I would say, whoa, you need to talk to Jesus. But it comes with a change of heart. And let me remind you of what we walked through last week. Just that passage of scripture. Especially if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, oh, I get it. I'm there on some things. I'm right there. But God says this, or Jesus had taught his disciples to pray this, and he had us lean into this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the spot we'll get to in more detail next week, but this is what he has us pray. Give us today the food we need. And as we talked about last week, it's not just food. The needs I have for today. 
And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Right? The kingdom life is not about getting more to anchor us beyond our dependence of God for life. Now think about that. The kingdom life is not about getting more to anchor us here beyond our dependence on God. It is realizing that we have all we need and want in Jesus and giving and living the rich kingdom life is about relationships, not about treasures, not about wealth, not about possessions, but a relationship with God and loving all people. And Jesus is about removing any of those obstacles that can get in the way of that life being lived to its fullest and a most abundant in him. Let's pray. Father, whether we feel we are rich or poor in this moment, in this world, we confess how, how our earthbound treasures, what we place value on here, can limit our ability to live in the freedom of your love and truly bring heaven to earth. Today, we take one more step by your Holy Spirit's power to loosen our grip on what this world claims as a treasure. Forgive us, those of us who have realized we've misplaced our attention and our affection on things of this earth. Would you fill us with the joy of storing up our treasures in heaven as we bring heaven to earth? Continue to grow us in the thrill of your love for, for, for what it truly means to live out your will. Uh, to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and to love others as you love them. Friends, you, you may be here today and didn't realize that God loves you so much that not only did he die for you, but that he would take care of every need that you have and there's been a resistance in your heart to, to let go and let God be God and to serve him. But he's inviting you today. Not only is he inviting the follower to let loosen their grip on those things, but he's inviting you who have yet to say yes to Jesus to say yes to him and allow him to come through, to test him in this area of life that he will provide. If he can provide your, all that you need, he can provide what you need for your heart. So maybe today you need to relinquish control of your life. You can do that just by using these words that are spoken authentically from your heart to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me for my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow, love, and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we're grateful for each and every person who has seized on the truth of what we're talking about today, what you have presented to us through your son, Jesus. The freedom that you invite us to and invite us into is, is ours to choose and willfully walk in. And we do today. Because we realize that we were beggars, but we're now royalty. We were prisoners, and now we are running free. We are forgiven and accepted by your grace. 
So because of that and because you desire the best for our hearts, we will fill the house of the Lord with praise to you. Father, we're grateful for the gift you are to us. Lord, lead us.